let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Hello and welcome to the Football Babble via video. Look at us. There we are. Uh, three of us. I don't even need to introduce anyone tonight. Stephen and Brett are with me. Hello, lads. Let's crack. Evening. This is just going to be, um, yeah, it's obviously going to be heavily, heavily covered this show with the big news of the weekend. Ral, Don Ral Jimenez scored. Unbelievable. Scored at uh, Molyneux for Wolves. Absolutely delighted. Couldn't believe it. Um, no, the big news of the weekend has to be obviously Ollie has gone. Heartbreak for myself and Brenton. Delight for Stephen. I think it's only for Stephen that we open up with you and start with your thoughts, initial thoughts on this before we really get into a chat tonight about Manchester United, where they go next. And we'll touch on also what happened at the weekend as well with everyone else. Um, that's about time, I suppose, is the uh, initial reaction I'd have. Um, it feels like it's maybe a year too late, if not longer. I just, I, I don't know what it was. Like, the Liverpool results should have been it. Like, that, you should not survive a 5 0 home defeat to your biggest rival. And I don't know why he was given like this extent. It's like when you, you have a dog and, you know, you know, it has arthritis or, you know, it has cancer or something, but you're being really selfish and you keep hold of it for another few months, even though it's in pain. When you should really put it down, like that's what the end of the Solskjaer regime felt like. And Holy ghost. I just, it was, it was painful. And then, like the exit interview, like, I'm embarrassed for the club that, and in, for him for sitting down and agreeing to do it. Like, it's just the whole thing is a shambles. But it all comes back to when, when you accept that Manchester United is not a football club run to win football matches, it's a club run to make money for the Glazers, everything then makes sense. And it's only now that risk of Champions League qualification or missing out on the Champions League is in play. That's why they acted. It's a shareholder decision. It's it's like watching succession play out in real life or something. I don't know. It's just bizarre from a football fan point of view. But I'm glad it's happened. Um, I'm glad the banter era is over, hopefully. Um, I don't know about that. Yeah, no doubt something else will come along. And and I suppose, I just, this, I always thought the manager after Ferguson was going to be crucial, but I think this might be the most important. This is the, this is the chance to either start rebuilding and becoming a proper football club again or continue to be a laughing stock for the next decade, I think, with the next choice. And it really is that important. And we'll get on to it, I suppose, but I don't think it's just the manager. I think there's a fundamental kind of review of of how the club operates, the coaches they bring in. All of that has to start. Like, it's, what, a few months since United gave Mike Phelan a new contract? Like, what does Mike Phelan do? About six weeks, I think. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> what does Phelan do other than, like, remind Solskjaer of his glory days as a player? Like, I, I just, did he sit around all day watching the meme of him bursting the balloon and frightening Ferguson? Like, I think that that seems to be the, like, contribution. So, it's just tough. Like, it's, and, like, look, I realise all the success Manchester United have had throughout my entire life, but this has been a, this has been worse than anything like under Van Hal or Mourinho or Armois, like this has been, this has been pretty bad. If he'd have left uh, in, um, sorry, Breton, if he if he had a left at the Europa League final, he'd have left in good stock, I think. Still, you know, for for himself, I mean, like you know, going forward, he, I don't think he'll ever end up anywhere near a bigger club as Manchester United, but he would have left with decent stock. But now I think, like, and when he came in, yes, he. The, the club was a wee bit rotten with Mourinho and he came in and he certainly galvanised that and steadied it. But now I think he's took it back to that level almost. Where it's right back to the start again. Yeah, I had this conversation with like a United sporting friend of mine today and we were saying like that actually if he'd have left, if he hadn't taken the job like full time, if he'd have left after like the interim period was up, he would have gone away with like his reputation sky high. He probably would have got like a decent job from it because yeah. of what what he did. And now it's like we were trying to work out how far down the English leagues do you have to go before someone gives him a job. And you are talking about someone like Reading or Hull or, or Derby County. Like it's not even a mid-table championship team would take it a punt on him and that's the bit that never sat right with me like they were so keen to give him this new contract and like who was who else was in the market for Solskjaer like why were they rushing to give him a contract when nobody else literally no other team were going to try and sign him and it just I don't so many poor poor decisions and like you said he's he's kind of messed with his own stock a little bit as a manager like not that you know he came in as the guy couldn't do well with Cardiff like and he won a couple of Danish leagues with Molde like is that a managerial pedigree I don't I don't think it is and and he leaves almost like Steve Staunton when he finished up with Ireland like you know came in as an absolute hero for a lot of people and leaves just as this figure of fun and a lot of people were kind of saying oh well I can separate Solskjaer the manager from Solskjaer the player I was like but how can you? Because he only had the job and he only kept the job for as long as he did because of what he did as a player. And just immensely frustrating that it carried on so long, but at least at least it's over now. And they're probably going to do the same thing again, give it to like Michael Carrick till the end of the season and Carrick will probably get them Champions League football. And maybe with the players they have, you look at Ronaldo, you look at Fernandez, you look at the quality of players they have, and it could be a Di Matteo situation where they go and win the Champions League or they do something mad like that. And then are they still having to give Carrick the job, even though he's clearly not a player or a person deserving of the job? And I just can't help but feel like something like that is going to happen again. I, and I, I, it's just, it, it could go so badly wrong now again, even though it feels like a relief that it's finally over. It could go just as badly again over the next few months. That's that is literally my next question to you was have they not already messed it up again by by going they basically went from the interim model 
and now they've the, the, literally their statement was they're looking for an interim, interim coach and i yeah i i could not believe that it said we're, we're on the search basically for an interim coach <laughs> yeah like manchester united this is it is it's amazon fucked up for a start picking arsenal because they're not even that bad a basket case now they're like you know they're half settled this this here was the dream this was the dream tv documentary <laughs> scenario like this i know not for you steve enough for you steve obviously but for the rest of the world this was just a beautiful like not be like just stunning tv and then that statement i could actually when that statement came out so i rent all of it when that statement came out yesterday i could feel your anger you hadn't said anything yet steve i could feel the <laughs> anger coming from from your uh abode uh over the border there i could feel the steam coming and rising i just couldn't believe it when i saw it yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong and like it just the timing just keeps being off with everything they do like it should have been after liverpool and then like it uh, well like the manager that like it goes like I, for me the manager that they should have got was thomas tuchel like a year ago that's the guy who should have managed with the way united like to play football and the way united traditionally want to play football he was the person for them before then it was Jurgen klopp that's who should have been the manager after ferguson and it's like even you know by delaying it a couple of weeks they've missed out on conte and if conte wouldn't have been my choice but he was the best available free manager everyone else they're going to go after is either going to they're going to have to wait till the end of the season or they're going to have to buy them out of their contract and it's just messy like that's not how you go about your business you can absolutely guarantee that both manchester city and liverpool have succession plans in place for when pep and Klopp eventually go like whatever about chelsea and you know the way they go through managers they saw their man that they wanted and they went and they got him and they timed it so that they could get him. You know, you just don't do that. Like they, they've got David Moyes when he wasn't ready for a big job. And now look at what David Moyes is doing with West Ham. And it's not, it's not great, but like, it just feels as well. Like this is all set up for them to go after Brendan Rogers five years after we all discovered Brendan Rogers was not that good a manager. And it, it, you just, it, just feels inevitable that that's the kind of decision that they will take and it's just <laughs> just don't know why they keep they keep getting this so wrong like these are very very successful businessmen that are running Manchester United who you would imagine make really important and big decisions every single day and yet when it comes especially with their other like you know they they literally just saw their team in the NFL win the Super Bowl last February they know what they're doing when they you know they can put the right people in place yeah. to to make things successful they just obviously don't care or see manchester united as anything other than a cash machine and that's what fills me with dread that they won't make the right decision with the next manager brenton and steve that's where be the, the, oh, no go on ahead go ahead well no i was just gonna make a quick point and say that's where the you know the unbalanced views come in because success for them as you said is staying in the champions league staying in the champions league staying in the champions league rolling over the money ronaldo was clearly a big financial decision for them as well 
um, in terms of PR, marketing the club, everything that goes along with that and who he is. And the, their model of success is working for them, has worked for them under Solskjaer, even though for everyone else, it's been an absolute shambles, uh, you know, talking about fans basically. And that's where your big problem lies. And that's not one that you fix for the fan. You don't fix it for the fan by getting Carrick or by getting Ten Hag or whatever it is. You know, I think that the ultimate problem is bigger than that. It is, yeah. Like the rumors from the club are that they're just the players, the senior players aren't happy with the level of coaching and they're also never sure who is in charge of the coaching. And I think that's where it comes back to does it need like a complete structural overhaul of of, of of how the club works? And that obviously starts at boardroom level. But if it if at boardroom level they don't care as long as they're still making money, then why would they put the things in place that are a little bit more headachey, you know, having to buy someone out of their contract, having to put an actual proper director of football in place. Because I think, you know, say for example, if you want to go after Den Haag or whatever, you like, you have to, if you want the Ajax way, you have to put an Ajax system in place. And our Manchester United fans going to say, yeah. okay, let's put another five years off the table of actually winning anything. Let's build it from you players. Let's become a club that, trains players from and United have always been like you know they pride themselves on the fact that they've had this run of players involved in the match they squad who've come through the youth system but Ajax is a, taking that up a level again and like you have to put the all the things in place for for, for for that to work and you know even if he did become you know the manager the the issue seems to be that like he's not a really he's not a very good communicator he someone who struggles to deal with like negative media and things like that like we've seen what the media reaction to a bad manchester united performance is so how is he going to deal with that like it's there's the thing the thing that kind of like obviously i'm glad Solskjaer is gone but the thing that kind of tempers all the the joy of like oh who will be next or the excitement who will be next is there's absolutely flaws with every single name that's that's mentioned for the job like um you know we we talked about in the group chat earlier on with, with Pochettino I think he's got a style and he's got a way of playing that absolutely would suit the not only the players Manchester United have but what Manchester United fans like seeing but the big hit on Pochino is that he's not really great with players like dealing with players and with egos and with man management and like you've got like probably the biggest ego in world football playing at number seven for for United well he's wearing number seven he's playing up front but like so that 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 there is an issue there you've got uh, I think who were the other names mentioned like Laurent Blanc like Enrique yeah Enrique like here's another one like Enrique would be brilliant in terms of like annoying Liverpool fans um <laughs> particularly but he's going to play Mourinho football and like I've, I've I've done that experience of you know trying to win every game nil nil and it's not an enjoyable way to watch football like football is supposed to be entertainment at, at, at the end of the day um Lucien Favre you, you know sacked by Dortmund like 
There's none of Zinedine Zidane. Okay, there's another one, right? Zidane is a name, absolutely a name. Won Champions Leagues with Real Madrid as manager. But has did anyone did, did was anyone laboring under the apprehension that Zinedine Zidane was out there day in, day out on the field talking through how they were going to defend the short corner? Like that's not what Zidane w- was. Zidane Sorry? I think I would have won the Champions League with Real Madrid at that stage, to be honest. But this, this, this is exactly it. Like Real Madrid with Ronaldo at the peak of his form, like as well. So I think there's, there's just, I'm not confident that they're, even if they had their pick of every single manager in the world, I still wouldn't be confident that they get right with the limited selection that they have. I'm, I'm absolutely not confident they're going, they're going to get it, and the fact so- that they're going to put it off. Is really worrying. See, like that. Just two two bits. The first bit you finished off the fact that they're putting it off is worrying. I actually, yeah. If they're if if they're gonna uh, put it off to try and get an interim coach like Laurent Blanc or the Athletic were saying before we came on, trying to keep straight face. Steve Bruce, sorry, Stephen, I'm not winding you up. I'm Stephen, I'm not trying to wind you up. Um, say something like that, right? I think that's that's stupid. You'd you'd be safer off keeping Carrick uh, and Kieran McKenna in charge, getting that group together and as a collective, as a team, just getting through the rest of this season and doing that, and then going for your main man. And even you were saying, like, if you wanted Ten Hag, it's going to need to be patience. That's another problem with this appointment that United made. They made this appointment on Solskjaer and gave him the, th- the long-term deal. And then we're just like, right, well, he's all set then. They never put anything else in place behind Solskjaer in case shit hit the fan and they were able to just move into where they were going to go next. You know, they, it seems to me, looking at it, and this is because obviously me and Brent are looking at our clubs that are very well run because we have uh, Maria... Uh, and Michael Edwards, me and Michael at our clubs are looking after things um, and they're able to put in place a plan. So you can see when Klopp does leave that there's enough inklings that it could be peplings, but there'll be someone that'll come in that they'll be able to take it over and go on from there. And maybe this is this is the point where United go, yes, we're giving ourselves, obviously an interim term sounds really stupid, whatever, but the, the, the thing they need to nail the most is getting... The Michael Edwards in or the Maria? I just want to me a second. I don't want to get it wrong. That's why I'm not saying it. Granovskaya. Granovskaya. So I didn't want. To, I didn't want to do her justice there. Maria Granovskaya, who's been amazing at Chelsea. That's why you need to go and get maybe someone like Ralph Ranić, who was mentioned on I think it was the second captain's podcast. Mentioned him earlier. Get him or someone, and he's always name bandied about when a big club is struggling. What are we going to do here to sort this out? But someone like that, you know what it could be? I'm going to throw this out there. They could go and poach Michael Edwards, who's out of contract here in June. And that could be a humongous signing for Manchester United. Someone like that in to set the to get the basis goal. And then your next manager could be could be Potch for a year, two, three years, whatever it mightn't be. But it's the plans in place so that when your next Ferguson, your Klopp or whatever comes along, someone that just completely galvanizes the club, completely takes it over. There's stages in place then for him just to run with it. Do you know what I mean? Because at the minute, I, I think it, it Look, I think it'll probably be Potch. That's just my own thinking on it. And it's probably a year or two too late. I, I do really rate Potch. But if I if United did have the chance where they could take a breather again, I know they're in the middle of a thing, I would wait for someone like Luis Enrique at the end of his World Cup. 
in Qatar and the Spain manager. And I would have in place now going forward, you know, the mechanisms where he can step into this and there's a club for him to run under his mould or even Ten Hag in the years two time, something like that. Because I do think that your, your point that you made earlier, this next manager, the next permanent manager that they go with, they have to kneel or they're just going to fall further adrift. Yeah, but and they're going to be in the quagmire. Liverpool were in for like 15, 20, 30 years, and it's horrendous. Yeah, this that is exactly what like that that is what I fear is going to happen because it just feels like they're they're making quite a few of uh, the same mistakes that Liverpool made, you know, in that time. Like, you know, Liverpool appointed a couple of decent managers in that time, just probably at the wrong time. And that's how, like, the Moyes situation, the Van Hal situation, like, Mourinho even, like, they've been good managers. They just have been the wrong manager at the wrong time for what for what United. The Ragnick thing, I think, is is really interesting because he has obviously just, his, his locomotive Moscow, he's just signed a deal with, like, yeah. only, only a few months into it. Like, But he doesn't strike me as the manager he strikes me as someone above the manager someone i was kind of banding around my head today was um roberto mancini um obviously had a very successful euros not going as well of late but knows the premier league probably was dealt a shitty hand by man city uh, in the end coming back for a chance for revenge now, i don't know if he take the job but I wouldn't mind seeing what he'd be like, but again, he feels like a manager for a couple of years rather than like the long-term solution. Um, Enrique is an interesting one because I think he obviously has um, he has Spain back playing a decent level of football. Um, really good. Yeah. Um, the other, who's the other one? Someone said to me today, uh, Valverde, the the Bilbao manager, the former Bilbao manager, um, and Barcelona. Yeah, but kind of kind of had his reputation so lead, I suppose, with Barcelona. But like I mean, we've seen what a kind of basket case for the club Barcelona is, so maybe he just wants to be involved <laughs> in another one. Um and I think the other one was was uh, Rudy Garcia, the Leon uh, manager. But again, I think if they're looking at France, it's going to be Pochettino. Like I don't don't doubt it's gonna be Pochettino. Laurent Blanc is an interesting one in terms of like an interim coach as well, like but Again, like none of these names are like they're not standing out the way you know Liverpool signing yeah. Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen Klopp or, or 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 Chelsea with 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 Tommy Tuchel. Like it just doesn't have the same buzz to it, like at, at all. And I don't like it's so important a decision, but they've gotten so many decisions wrong over the past few years that I just have no faith in it. And the other problem is, and I know Brendan, one of your mates kind of texted in about like, you know, if you were building Manchester United back up from the round level, what would you do? And I think like it's, it, it starts with Ronaldo and, and having to ease him out with the side. And I know that sounds so stupid considering how many important goals he's got this season, especially in the Champions League, but he's costing, it's at the expense of everybody else and everything else that Manchester United are trying to do. And it's great to have like a, a genuinely world-class player there. But what you're doing is you're halting the development of Mason Greenwood. You're halting the development of Marcus Rashford. You're halting um, the play of Bruno Fernandes. He, Bruno Fernandes has turned into this, like the shadow of a player he was um, this time last year. And 
that's like there's no like this is what Ronaldo did at Juventus. You know, Juventus were the dominant team in Italy. <laughs> Ronaldo joined them, and now look at Juventus. Like it's not as if the blueprint isn't there for what Ronaldo does to a team, and that is not to take away from what he is doing individually. Um, it it just is the impact, and I know I've been banging on about this since he signed. Like, but it's the impact that that has on what you try to do. Like, if you're a high press manager like Pochettino. Like, like high tempo, high press. Ronaldo is the worst player you could have as your centre forward for that because he just doesn't press and he doesn't track. And you see it so often that, you know, nine outfield players from United are trying to press. And then whatever player Ronaldo was supposed to, he's the outlet ball. And it's just so yeah. frustrating. And, I, and I, it, it just drives me mad that, like, he keeps getting all these important goals. So he gets stuck in the team. But... They're, they're games that, like, they're probably a comfortable Manchester United win if they play the way they, like, you know, the way they were looking like they could play with Mason Greenwood being the, the you know, the main striker up front and everyone else kind of supporting them. So, like, that's that's one place I'd start. The other place would be Harry Maguire would be gone. Like, he would be just gone from, like, he whatever has happened to him from that moment, whatever happened to him on his holidays um, until now, like, like, this thing of celebrating... Like playing against postmen and acting as if he scored against 1970s Brazil, like, and then you come back, you come back to the Premier League and you get yourself sent off for the most stupid of decisions. Like, and his play has been so poor. And, and, and Luke Shaw as well. Like, there, there's two players who constantly look like world class players when they play for England, and then when they play for Manchester United, look inept. And is that Solskjaer's coaching? I don't know because like there's so many simple errors that like Harry Maguire makes and so much lack of accountability. He's always looking for someone else to blame, even when he's obviously at fault. And that's not captain material. Now I don't know who the club captain should be. I'd probably give it to one of the younger players. I'd probably give it to uh, Marcus Rashford or 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 Mason Greenwood. Um I'd probably, actually, I'd probably give it to De Gea for the moment and then, you know, pass it on. Fred? Sorry? Fred? Oh, Fred? Oh, right, no. <laughs> There's another player who no longer be with the club uh, if I was stripping it down and starting again. But, like, it's... Juan it, Bissaka. It, <sighs> 50 million pounds. Like, 50 million pounds and you can't cross the ball. Um, I, I, I just... Like there's so much that needs to be done, but you need but that this therein lies the problem. To drop Harry Maguire, to drop Ronaldo, to go play a really high press, high tempo style of football, you need a really, really strong manager and a really, really big personality. And who out of all those people we named has that personality? And I don't think they I don't think any one of them do. Like Simeone has the personality, has the force of will, but he has the wrong side of football. Pochettino has the right side of football, but he's the wrong character. And this is where the issue lies. Like the, the perfect Manchester United manager, there's two of them in the Premier League. It's Thomas Tuchel and it's Jurgen Klopp. And they're not getting either of those. So I don't know what, what they do. Like I and that and that's not because they're good. That like and they clearly are very, very technically good coaches why they're perfect Manchester United managers is they have the right personality and they play football the right way. That's what makes them. It's not their success. It's the way they go about their success that makes them. They're obviously not getting either of those. 
Um, so like, uh, Harry, other than uh, that, he man has managed uh, Barcelona in a few showings so far. Maybe he's the man for for United. Um, let me ask you this because this has been talked about so much in the Solskjaer reign, um, and probably beyond. And you hear it all the time from the the ex players who are are obviously now pundits um, about the United way. How how important do you think that is? First of all, to you, and secondly, to the like the wider fan base. Do you think that's? I think that's it is important that they like, want to see. Yeah, like I do think it is important because I think that's what that was the Mourinho issue. Like Mourinho won trophies as Manchester United manager. Uh, he won a European title with them, not the European title, but he won a European title with them. Like, but that was it, it was the style of yep. football wasn't it just wasn't fun to watch. And we just got so used to like United always had you know, attacking fullbacks. They always had a box-to-box midfielder. They always, nearly always had a striker who could get you 20 to 30 goals a season. It feels like they have barely, like, any of those now. Like, they they certainly don't have a box-to-box midfielder. They don't have a fullback who can get into the channels and swing in amazing balls. They don't have either a left or right winger who is naturally a winger and not actually a converted striker because it feels like all their wingers are converted strikers. And like that's the way football's going, and that's fine. Like They don't have a 30-goal-a-season across all competitions striker. So they're missing all of these things. And I just... I, I think if there were green shoots... This, the, this is the thing with Solskjaer. There was a couple of performances. The PSG game, um, where two, two and Sebi, like absolutely played Neymar off the park right and you see moments like that and you go okay why can't that be every week and it you know at the start with Solskjaer it was because what he was set up to do was play counter-attacking football so they always or they tended to get big results against the bigger teams and then struggle against smaller teams which was the Liverpool way for for years as well and that's not a slight on Liverpool but that was you know Liverpool were really good against the top six and really poor against the bottom six and that's what United under Solskjaer was. Um, whereas now, like, I feel like there's an opportunity there. Like, we know, like, you on any given Sunday or Saturday, you know how Chelsea are going to set up and you know what they're going to do in terms of formation, you know what they're going to do in terms of tactics. Same with Liverpool, like, it, injuries aside, because obviously that's an issue with Liverpool a little bit in terms of squad depth, but like, you have a very good idea what you're going to do. You have a very good idea what Manchester City were, are going to do week to week. I have no fucking clue what United are doing under Solskjaer. <laughs> like, I genuinely have no idea. It's it's not quite pressing, it's not quite defensive. It It's just this middle ground of nothingness. And what I'd just like to see is someone who comes in and goes, I would rather win. I'd rather lose one in every three games and win the other two than draw, draw, play for draws. Like I, I, I just I've always been the person who would rather win four three than one yeah. nil. Um, yep. And I, I just like life is shit enough. I just want to be entertained. I don't want to feel miserable every time I sit down to watch Manchester United, and that's all I'm asking for from the new manager. This is what you get for thirty years of hurt. <laughs> this is it. This is what you get. You all deserve it. Um, no, I'm joking. 
Who, Brenton, who would you pick if you were, if you had the keys to Old Trafford? Who, who's, and like, who's, no, who also, say who's available, but it, it's the world of football. Everyone's available for a price. So, like, who do you go out there and get? Um, see, that that's why I asked that question about the United way, um, because obviously I'm not a United fan, but that's that wouldn't be important to me, and it's obviously important. That's why I asked it. It's obviously important to United fans. It's obviously something they hold very close, um, because of Fergie. You know, let's face it, but yeah. Uh, because my club has kind of been built on something different, whereas uh, wherein you you just win no matter what the manager's style is. You know, we, we, we've been through, obviously, Conte, um, Mourinho, you know, all, all different styles, but they all ended up winning trophies and being successful and being the most successful team in England in the last 15, 20 years. So... It's hard for me to get away from that thought and pick somebody who just fits the the bill. If if you know if you know what I mean by that. Um, but if you're um, if you're serious about it and you want to create that uh, sort of culture um, that that Steve's talking about there, that you know the United fans really want. Um, I think Ten Hag, I would wait for him. Um, I think if he was allowed to, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's the, the ultimate question, that's the real question, will he be allowed to fully put his stamp on the club from, uh, uh, you know, as, as one of my mates put it earlier, from head to toe, you know, you're talking about a director of football, you're talking about, a, you know, a whole new coaching regime, I think, it wasn't a lot of Sochar's coaches were actually Mourinho's coaches as well. They were all in around the club anyway. Um, you know, Sochar didn't, I don't know if he didn't want to, um, or he, you know, he wasn't allowed to bring in a whole new staff basically. Um, you know, from everything from nutrition, the chefs, the way the whole place is run day to day, that never seemed that that was obviously Fergie. That, that you know he controlled everything from from top to bottom, and yes, you, you know the the structures of change now that not one man or one woman can um, control everything from the top, but you can instill uh, a culture right throughout. Uh, you know, Johnny will tell you about um, what Vanger did. You know, he loves the story about when he came in and I think he banned like red sauce basically straight away. Um, that's the sort of thing. I know it's, that's a real small menu detail, but that's the sort of thing that uh, someone at United needs to be allowed to do. And I think, I don't think they're, I genuinely don't think they're going to do that. I, I, I just think the, the ownership, the board, they don't care about that. Like the, they're on such a different understanding, such a different um, measurement of success to to what the fans are and probably to what the players are too. Like the players are, are you can tell that they're 
hurting and that they're not um they're not happy um and i don't think it's it's all social's fault obviously um but i don't think it's gonna change until you let somebody come in and operate that club and start again um and i don't mean i don't mean try to replicate what fergie did because i don't think it, it doesn't work like that anymore um but it needs a blank piece of paper and it feels like the only way i can say that now is that they just keep turning the page over and then folding it over and writing on the other side and, and folding it over again writing on the other side with you know with what they're going to do now supposedly with carrick or with you know some other axe legend of the club coming in um you would just hope as a united fan that they are holding out um if they hold out for the summer that they are holding out for for the right appointment then they allow that person to um to have a spell to rebuild like you know you you look across the um across the liverpool and what did Klopp do how long did it take him he he just he's probably reinstilled a culture that was there many years ago but done it in a modern way um and uh, you know that's that's what steve's probably talking about yeah, that he would have been perfect for United as well because that's there's not somebody recognizable probably now who who you think could do that in United, but but Klopp would have been uh, the closest there was to it. And and like how long, Steve? Like, well, you're not going to speak for the whole, but you need to speak for the whole of United fan base. A lot of pressure on you. How long would you give? Like the next manager, because I, my own speaking, when Klopp came in, we were just literally blown away. So Klopp could still not have won anything at Liverpool, and we would all just be still on this wave with him because he has us all in the palm of his hand. Do you know what I mean? In a, in a lovely, comforting way. So as soon as Klopp came in, he did that press conference, doubters to believers, and he started talking about different things, and he was picking youth players. And he said, "Don't worry about it. They're all here. They're all my players." And blah blah blah. And different things and we're going through a stage and I think we got the two finals that year beat both of them but you're just like oh it's annoying but then you're like oh we've still got Klopp so it didn't matter got the next year Champions League didn't win anything get close to anything still have Klopp beating Kiev, Kiev still have Klopp we were always just still have Klopp um, like what was it was it about two or three weeks ago Brent and Liverpool were talking about it and I was like I don't care what happens because we still have Klopp. You know, it's still a thing. Fan base, like even Gareth Roberts, we're talking about in the on-field rap, we have Klopp, so whatever with everything else. So the next man for you, like how long do you give him? Because like, I think you can't be as a United fan base, and far be it from me to try and tell United fans how to behave, but you cannot be expecting straight away, no matter who is on that playing staff, right, that's it, bang, we're going to win all around us. It's not going to work like that. You have to give the next man up like a year or two to get in to get his ways get his team settled and then you'll see the the fruits of his coaching like hopefully for yourself for your sake you yeah. need a coach um, yeah that that is exactly it you need someone who can actually coach the team like and they need a coach more than they need a manager um yeah I, that's, I would agree that's very fair to say so i think i think if someone comes in and has a really clear direction and said and admit like 
as much as I talk about the United way, like they can't be enthralled to the past. Like that was Liverpool's problem for the 30 years. They they you know they kept talking yeah, back about yeah. how great Liverpool were in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. And that's United's problem now, and that's United fans' problem as well. Like, you know, li- like they talk about the Fergie era as if it was three years ago. It wasn't, it was like nearly two decades ago. It's time to move on from from what the club was then to what the club are now. But like you, uh, Brendan, you made the point, like you can't be a Ferguson in modern football. You have to be a coach. What Ferguson was, was a brilliant manager who got the most out of, in a lot of cases, some really, really limited players. Um, Like Ferguson's last title, I will, I will go to my grave saying that's one of the best managerial performances the football world has ever seen because that squad was putrid. Like, and he still got them to a title. No midfield. Um, sorry? You had no midfield. Yeah, well, like, like no, they'd known the nothing. And he, still, yeah, he still managed, yeah. So, it, it, it like, t- to me, that's, you park that and you move on because that's not where football is anymore. Football is so much more technical now. And it's, it's, it's the detail. Like, it's just the, like... Pep Guardiola goes into like, and again, like people will say, right, maybe he's not as good a coach as, as people always say. Is like, he revolutionized how goal kicks were taken, right? And he goes into every game with six or seven different ways that they're going to approach goal kicks. It's that level of detail that you need from your manager. Like, you've got like, what else are you doing? You've got all week to plan for ninety minutes of football. Know what? Like, have ten corner routines in your back pocket. Like and make sure that the players know how to execute them all. Like, like if it just feels like that level of attention to detail, that's what they need. They need someone to come in, almost like that micromanager that you or I would hate in our workplace. But that's what United need. But I also think that's what the United players would want. Like I think if you yeah. come into Ronaldo and said, um, and even Fernandez, and you come into them and said to them, right, here are my five different free kick routines for when we have the ball in the left channel, when we have free kick in the left channel, they're the kind of players are absolutely going to respond really well to that. Um, Likewise, if you say to, to um, David De Gea, right, here's what we're going to do on defensive corners. He's going to respond really well to that because there's a plan in place and that's what they need to kind of, they need to almost compartmentalize the coaching as being one thing. And they need to nail whoever that is to be have that level of technical technical detail. But even if they don't bring in people or have people with them who have that level of what's the guy that's with uh, Gerard that you brought from Rangers down to Villa? Oh, I can't remember uh, his name. Like, Bale. Yeah, like incredibly highly like rated in terms of his technical qualities as a coach. And that like yeah. even if you don't have the skill yourself, surround yourself with people who are better than you, who are smarter than you. That's the way. Like. Like, change like slight topic. If you want to succeed in your job, in any job, surround yourself with people who are better than you, and then use them to elevate yourself up. Like that's how you. That's that. The best managers in any job, in any career, have put people in place who make them look good, and that's what I think. Don't hire someone because they were your old manager's assistant manager. Like that's just not the way to do it. But then I think the other part is the personality because I think you're right. Because where Klopp 
I'm, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean it as disrespectfully as I did, but Klopp got away with a lot of failures because of his personality early on. Um, and he was given yeah. slightly more time than maybe he could have gotten under a dip. Maybe maybe it's not fair. On, under this regime, he was probably all, always going to get this time. But under a different regime in charge, Klopp maybe wouldn't have got the leeway that he did. And then eventually it came good. At Chelsea, he wouldn't probably. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Klopp would have been a failure if he'd have been the Chelsea manager in, in given the time frame. And I think that's really important as well. Like the, they've done the quick coaching changes now. You bring someone in, they have a philosophy. You give them time to make sure they get the players in or bring the players up who can who can play that philosophy. I mean, people talk about like. Liverpool have made really shrewd signings and and Mike Edwards and things like that and they have don't get me wrong like I mean they were they signed the best centre half in the world and the best goalkeeper in the world at the time and all of a sudden they won the Premier League I mean it's not rocket science but they're also bringing players through at the same time who are going to replace the likes of Salah and Mane and things like that when they move on and that's that's absolutely what you need to do so there's a it's like a, only three managers in history have won a league title, a first division or Premier League title with, with Manchester United. It's hard to win league titles. United just got, so, United fans just got so used to how easy it was at a time when they had a manager who was a cut above everyone else. Now they're desperately trying to keep up, tread water with managers and coaches who are far superior than anything that's on the, on, on the market right now. So it's a, it's a tough ask. It's a big, like I started this podcast or this video cast, um, optimistic because obviously I was delighted to see Solskjaer go, but the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm realizing how much has to be done. Like that's our job more, to, to it, bring you right back down. Bring you right back <laughs> down. Yeah, so much. It, it's, it's you folks don't know what he's like in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be miserable now for the evening. But, See, but I, I the, think the that's, thing, that's the thing as well. Important... Sorry, sorry, Brenton. The thing as well um, about this was like, yes, it was the right thing to do, uh, Solskjaer to move on. But like, and we've we've mentioned this so many times. It was such a massive red flag for me looking there. It is. There's literally no. There is no. There is no plan. There is literally. And we spoke about the interim. Interim. We'll wait until the end of the season. Like it's still November. Like, do, do you know what I mean? There was literally just like bang panic button uh, after the four one when it, it should have been done. Like like the, that to me is such a humongous red flag. I think Michael Richards was talking about it on one the night show before we come on here tonight. Like he just like. They keep going around, like people keep going around, like saying Manchester United, the biggest football club in the world, because obviously merchandise and fans and whatever. But you're acting like a, like a, a, an amateur league side. You're acting like someone on football managers going bang, deleting this, starting again. It's it is it, like unless and look unless I get this way wrong and they have a place, Carrick comes in or whatever, settles the season down get the summer and it is someone like ten hags come in and things are behind the scenes we don't know about. I just Edward would say he's staying so I highly doubt it. Um but <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? It's just, like it's just I thought I saw it when Liverpool were acting the bollocks and I saw all this. Do you know what I mean? I I thought like we're acting like this and we're a laughing stock and then 
United do it and look at it on the other side, you're just thinking like, Jesus, what is going on here? Like the whole thing is just, I call uh, what Barcelona the Catalonian Clown College, but the Carrington Clown College is, is pretty coming up pretty pretty fast behind it. Like, do you know what I mean? It's 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 a shambles. But I don't know. What were you going to say, Brenton? Sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say it's the 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 coaching thing is so important because and so so obvious because. The players that got the the details that Steve's talking about there, um, with the set pace routines or you know throw ins at, at this certain area of the pitch or whatever it may be, or something actually sorry that just came into my head as basic as don't half press a Liverpool team who are going to absolutely you know that no, that is literally that what they want. Like, don't do it. Um, uh, like, that level of coaching um, is going to benefit those players and they'll respond to it because they're, like, they're good. They're really good players. Like, when we did our, our shows at the start of the season, um, I think we were all talking about the signings that United had made, how how much that would elevate them and how close they could could get to the title that that is true and I th- but i think we also mentioned but they've got so sure like that was always yeah. just a, a red flag in the background that counteracted how good the squad was the squad is still really good you just i don't know like i, I michael carrick I'd be pretty confident in saying is not going to get the best out of that squad. Um, but, you know, somebody really could. Um, somebody good, somebody who knows what they're doing and who can extract the the ability um, out of those players. You know, it's it's so obvious to to all of us who... Who needs to maybe move on? Um, what positions they need to fill? And as Steve said with Liverpool, they, they saw a problem and they just fixed it and they won the league. Like it, it's sometimes not as complicated. Yes, you know, there's there's details and and there's technical coaching, but sometimes the obvious is what you need to do and what you need to address. Liverpool addressed it, and you know, look how successful they've become. It was. Um, listening to the athletic podcast today and they were saying about the um chelsea performance against burnley um the the two wide players in the front three um weren't coming inside when the wing backs were going on the outside what did did tuchel do at the weekend you know he he brought hudson adoy and mount in he, he saw a problem he fixed it they won three nil it it's recognizing the problem and fixing it um, and I think United you know, need to do that on the club as a whole. And I think they need to bring in a coach who can do that um, with the squad as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's really fair. Um, and it's it's just it's the level of of 
effort that's going to have to go into getting that right that I just can't trust ownership to do. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I was just when you were chatting there, I was, I was looking at the league table because when, when you know what Phil said about um, why now? Like, and I, I, I shouldn't have looked at the league table, but like, <laughs> why now is because five games ago. <laughs> Five games ago, we were still talking about Manchester United as being there or thereabouts in terms of like the form hadn't been great, but they were still close enough to the top of the table. They're now closer to Newcastle, who haven't won a game this season than they are to Chelsea at the top of the league. That's why now, um, like it's pretty, it's pretty impressive that Norwich have twice as many wins in the last five games than uh, than Manchester United do. Now, it was a tough run, and we always knew that that section of the season was going to be uh, a, a really tough run. Um, but you're, the signings thing is is, is huge. I, I think it was on... Yeah, it was. It was. We were talking about when United signed Varane, and I, I said, I feel I wish they'd have signed another centre-half. And uh, I, I don't know, I can't remember, maybe it was Johnny laughed at me, and it was like... I've just never trusted Harry Maguire to be. I, I I used to make the argument that if Maguire was your second best centre half, you're okay. But I, you know, now yeah, I think he has to be your third best centre half for you to have a decent team. Like, and he just is a bit part player. Um, like I'd have, I'd have Bailly and Varane if they were both fit as my starting centre halves all day because. At least with Bailly, you get like the excitement factor that like he could go on a sixty-yard run beating four players, or he could break someone's leg. Um, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. <laughs> I mean, he could do the bullets in the same in the same passage of play. To be honest, um, Varane just can't stay fit, and I don't know is that a, is that a training thing? Like, is that a, that the club haven't adapted their training to his body and his needs and? I go on about this all the time about like you adapt your coaching to the players that you have and you adapt your fitness to the players that you have, not the players that you want. Uh, and the Varane thing seems like it seems suspicious that, and it's not just Varane actually, if you look at Bailly and, uh, uh, and uh, Lindelof as well, like their, their center halves seem to be constantly getting injured. Like what are they doing in training that is particularly affecting your center halves? I don't, I, I don't really know. Phil Jones. Well, yeah, Jesus Christ, I forgot. Yeah, um, yeah probably, I think he traveled with the squad. Oh, did he? Oh, no, <laughs> it, it was, but he's not, he's not in the I don't know why he traveled, but he's not eligible. He's he, you know, they've submitted their Champions League squad. Um, oh, okay, grand. He, he's not a, he's I just, just there to he cheer, just for the banter. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, god, uh, and like, look. Phil Jones gets much a, a really hard time, and like I'm not saying he doesn't deserve all of it, but like he, yeah, that's like you, you are like this. This is exactly it. Like we looked, we laugh at the teams that Klopp managed. Like you look at Liverpool team sheets from Klopp's first season in charge, and you laugh and you go like, how did he do anything with that team? That's what Manchester United are at the moment. When you have someone like Phil Jones in and around the squad, when you have someone like. Uh, Fred right. starting in midfield, yeah. Like, I mean, Manchester United I, I have done more to ruin the reputation of Brazilian footballers than any other club in world football. Um, because every single Brazilian they've signed has been absolutely shite. 
Um, they like the like, Brazil is a nation of like probably 100 million people. I don't know what I wasn't very good at geography, but I'm sure it's a big population, it's a big country. Manchester United seem to only target the really bad footballers that come from, from Brazil. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it, I, I like it, I, again, I like do they, ha- they have good players in and around. Like, I get Tellez, Alex Tellez, much more involved in the team. I think you can do much more in terms of having a back five, a back three, a back four, if Tellez is involved, uh, depending on what you want to do. Um, and yeah, like take Ronaldo out, take Maguire out and and try and just go with youth as much as possible with a little bit of experience mixed in uh, there or thereabouts. Centre midfield, absolute pressing need. Like, again, like why when Kante became available was Kante not the player that Manchester United signed? Kante is your prototypical Manchester United centre midfielder and they never went after him. Like, and Kante and Pogba, we see how well they play together for France. Like, Kante automatically then improves Pogba as a player. Um, it, it's decisions like that, that, that like, yeah. it all has knock-on effects. And, like, who, who, uh, they're going to, they're going to try and make a splash next summer, I think, with a signing. But, like, it feels like it'd probably be another Ronaldo signing that, like, It'll be somewhat. Oh, it's going to be fucking Neymar. I just know it's going to be Neymar. I hope uh, so. Oh no, it is going. To I'll be fund that myself. Zinedine Zidane is going to sign Neymar, and Manchester United <laughs> are going to be back to banter club status. And you'll be able Neymar. to watch him while at Garth Brooks. <laughs> Absolutely not. Neymar Hoops oh. sister. Neymar Hoops oh. sister. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. That is a fantasy um, team, not an accusation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is not an accusation. That is someone's fantasy football's team name. That is not a football bubble accusation. Um, look, we were going to talk about the rest of football this week, but I think this story just took it over. Like, it's not just the Ollie leaving, Ollie's got his own score or losing his job. It's the, it's the the state Manchester United are in and find themselves in how they get out of it. It's such a massive story, so we're dedicated to it. But just to sort of finish off, uh, Brent and Steve, the, the top three teams won. At the weekend, and, and they all won really well. Um, and obviously, West Ham were the next in the chasing pack. They beat by Don Raul. Thank you, my brother. Um, so they've sort of separated now. But like, obviously, Brenton, you were impressed with Chelsea. Thought Liverpool were excellent. Thanks to Mikel Arteta again. Appreciate you get, getting everyone ready for that and getting everyone riled up. Well done, Mikel. You Lego headed moron. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say another bad word, but I said nothing. Uh, and then I, I City saw you just pulling out at the end there. Dev. Um, <laughs> What did I just pulled out before I dropped a C bomb on a video? Um, but yeah, thanks, Lego Head again. What, what what impressed you, Steve, of of the other of the three teams going going for it, going for the title at the minute, Liverpool, uh, City, and Chelsea? What was what the impressive performance of the weekend? Uh, I think it was Chelsea. Um, Brendan won't thank me for saying it, but they feel like. They, they're not quite at the level that Liverpool and Man City were those last couple of years where like they were pushing each other 200 points or whatever like that, but they're not far off it. They're really not far off it. Yeah. Um, I thought... I agree. Um, I just, just, they're, just, they're just a really good, well-coached, well-put-together operation. Now, is there depth issues in terms of the squad? Um, maybe... 
there is, but I think at the moment they're the best team in the league. Um, I thought Manchester City were functional. I thought Cancelo's pass was like, if there's a go or an assist of the season award, it's already wrapped up. I don't think there is, but they should they should make one just for that pass. Yeah, but then, like, it, it was it was such he, a wrap up. He is, by the way, he is Cancelo ridiculous. So As someone that has him in their fancy team all season, he is—he's not talked about enough as the, one of the, one of the best fullbacks in Europe. He's not mentioned enough at all about it. Like he is absolutely superb as a footballer, superb player. There are so many good fullbacks at the moment. <laughs> you could you could build an eleven <laughs> from fullbacks who can score at the moment. Uh, not one Bissaka, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I thought Liverpool were—he could were, do nets. Yeah, you could you could do that. Yeah, um, I thought they were, were I thought they were excellent. It, that was that was a trap game. Um, I felt coming out with the international yeah, break, I was worried. Um, but I thought it was like it's hard. It's hard to look how it could have gone better. Like it was felt like Liverpool were in third gear and won four 0 Like I mean, you can't really ask for more than that. So I think. Yeah, the top three look that cut above the rest. Obviously, West Ham, they'll be disgusted with themselves to follow up beating Liverpool with with, with losing to Wolves. Um, but Wolves are quietly having a good season. I think it was it you, Phil, that mentioned that they're that they're top six now. All of a sudden, out of absolutely nowhere, like, um, so like, I think there's this is where it gets worrying for United as well. Not to bring it back to United, but like, there is such a scrap for that, like fourth spot now um probably all the way down to crystal palace you could say um leicester and everton feel kind of out of it just because the limitations of their manager um but yeah like i think i think the top three got their job done and i think west ham city will be a big game next weekend i think chelsea will comfortably take care of united um liverpool will I think it might triple captain Salah against Southampton. I think it could be that kind of a, a result for, for Liverpool as well. So I think top three will keep on winning. Yeah, they, they certainly do. They look like they've maybe that's it now. Where they, you know what always happens? Like the title race breaks free. It has that weekend, or even if it's only one result that splits it, it just sort of breaks free and then you then never really clawed back again. It, it, like I remember. <clears throat> Chelsea United, I think when it was now Avram Grant was Chelsea manager, they broke free at one point and that was it. Nobody got near them and they just chased each other the whole season. So um, I think that's possibly what might be happening now and what maybe that weekend was massive. Just on Liverpool, um, I thought Arsenal for the first, until the first goal went in, were so excellent, like so really, really well drilled. Really had them really well drilled. Like now they weren't, didn't look like they're going to offer that, that a goal that was well offside, but, um, but they didn't look like they were going to offer anything going forward. It sort of looked like they were just going to sit in and just come out of Manfield with a point, which is better than what they've been getting recently anyway at Anfield, and it would look much different. And then, as I said, for whatever reason, Arteta exploded. Anfield then exploded like at a mate that was at it that just said Anfield, just literally the roof almost came off. And then Liverpool just clicked in the gear, and that was it then. Arsenal had no, no answer for them, apart from Ramsdale, who, even though he'd, Four stuck past and was unbelievable at times. Some of the saves were just superb. He should be England's number one. It's ridiculous that he's not, but in my opinion, he should be England's number one. But yeah, it was to watch it and get a 4 0 win after 
the disappointing result. The win is massive, obviously, to get back on uh, the points again. But what impressed me so much was the midfield clicked. It worked, you know, and it hasn't worked. And it didn't work against West Ham. It was so open against West Ham. And it was diabolical at times, really, against West Ham, to be honest. But it, it was really solid and it clicked. And you had Oxlade Chamberlain was doing... He was starting the press, and then if if the ball went past him, Thiago was sweeping up. Obviously, that's what Fabinho does anyway. He sweeps up, and they were able to just get it, recycle it again, and go again. And Thiago and Fabinho, I think, of the two best midfield performances this year have been Leeds away, and then Arsenal uh, at home. And Thiago and Fabinho have been pivotal and started both that. So maybe it's something going forward Liverpool look at. Maybe it is those two that click, and you will see more of that. And I was pleased for Oxley Chamberlain too. But Chelsea at the weekend, like you're right, Steve. My thing with Chelsea, and I spoke to Brendan about this offer, is they just they just they look imperious. Like they've only conceded four goals all so far this season. It's just like that needs investigated, I think. By uh, <laughs> what do you call that? The court the court of arbitration needs to investigate that because there's something not right there. Um yeah, we just, do not trust look, them. They, well, no, no we they haven't. just look so good. They, they they look so good in the league, but yet it wouldn't surprise me if they get chinned in the last sixteen in Europe. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise if they get they lose tomorrow night. The event is or don't come second, and then they get Bayern or someone or someone you know decent from winning the groups in the next stage, and they get chinned. That wouldn't surprise me if they still can't draw off and win the league. Do you know what I mean? Because they just they haven't clicked in Europe. Even the other week they won one nil. Was it uh, Molde? Malmo. Uh, no, Malmo, and they just they didn't look themselves. But then they go into the league game and they, you know. Bang! It's the Chelsea's back again. So it's a it's a strange one. Uh, it's maybe maybe like what happened to Liverpool. They won the Champions League, and then next year they were a wee bit stinky in it. They get put out by Lego Madrid, but they went on to win the league. It could be something like that sort of scenario. It could be you, you never yeah. know. But that's that would be my thoughts on them. They, they look like a different side at times when they're in Europe. So I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure Tuchel will will fix that. Like, um, but I don't know what you think, Brett. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's it's very much uh, um, focused on the league season um i think he's obviously come in and <clears throat> won the champions league in, in a couple of months which is wild um and he wants to he wants to win the big one like i i still think you know the league is that's a real test of of a team and of a squad and of a manager ultimately um you know if you can if you can win the league with this liverpool and this man city side um in it i think that's a massive achievement so with, i do think you're right i don't think um they're at a level to to go kind of deep in both um they're not that sort of a that sort of a squad um they may become one there's they've, they've still a lot of good players at you know 2021 20, 22 um and you know if if Tuchel keeps getting them to uh to respond the way he has been then there's no reason why they can't go on in, in you know a year or two and, and do that but um i think you're right i think they look um a, a sort of a a plus three plus three plus three it's just their mentality at the minute in the league um and it's it's you know it's hard to see um them slipping up too much yeah. Pop quiz before we it's finish. Gonna... Who are, who are yes. the four players to score against Chelsea this season in the Premier League? Salah. Say it again. Yeah. Say it again. Sorry. 
What was it? Four players to score against Chelsea in the league this season. Salah. Uh, Salah. Je- and... Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there was an own goal, was there? Oh, who was the draw against? Oh. Burnley. Um, um, Burnley. Uh, who scored for Burnley? Uh, I know who, I think. Vidra? Wood? Yeah. No, Vidra. 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 And... Hmm. Sounds like a law firm. Morgan? No. <laughs> Sounds Stone. like a law firm. <laughs> um, it, it was, I, I know the the team must have got beat, did they? Yeah. Um, Give you 10 more seconds. Any more clues? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a law firm. <laughs> Was it Norwich? Did Norwich score no. against you? No. It was James Ward Price for Southampton. Ah, nice. It was a was it a penalty? Uh, don't know. Probably. Salas was a penalty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they've they've only um, conceded. They haven't conceded away from home from. It was a penalty. Yeah, you're right. It was a penalty. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I'll do this. For our first video cast um, for the Football Babble. So I don't need to do the Patreon link because it's been on the bottom. So if you can't see it, it's your own fault. But yeah, follow us and yeah, um, sponsor us on Patreon. We'd really, really appreciate it. Anything you can offer uh, is amazing. A pound a month is all we're asking for, really. £12 a year. It's absolutely nothing to help the lads out. And we really appreciate it. Get all of our stuff, as it says, on there as well. Follow us at the Football Babble Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And um yeah, it's a big week of European football coming up. Um, and then more wax on the weekend. Myself and Johnny should be back on Thursday night if he has Wi-Fi. I'm not sure if he will or not, but if he doesn't, we'll sort something out. And folks, thanks for thanks for watching and hope you enjoyed the show. We'll speak to you again during the week. Good luck. <laughs>